afternoon. Pop-up thunderstorm is a possibility again Friday. Otherwise, afternoon highs hitting up and into the mid-90s. Heat index is up to 100 degrees plus. The rain chance is going to go up a little bit and perhaps take the edge off that heat a little bit Saturday as well as Sunday. Scattered afternoon thunderstorms daily with highs of lower to mid-90s. Ralph Sanji, WGSO. Need to replace your Social Security card? In most states, you can request one online with a My Social Security account. A My Social Security account gives you secure access to your personal earnings history and benefit status. You can also get a proof of income letter, estimate and apply for benefits, and more. Save time. Go online. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. You can hear it beneath the panting. The dog has come over to say hello, and the cat is waking up now, so I'm going to be annoyed for the beginning of the show, at least. I'm Marianne Fitzmorris. It's the food show you're listening to, TGIF, a beautiful sunny day. And we have uh, the usual things to talk about, but at 3 o'clock, we have a guest. Her name is Monica Richard. Or Richards, I think she calls it, I think she pronounced it Richards. I'm putting a Louisiana spin on it, but Richards, Monica Richards from Pico's in Houston, another institution. It is uh, a longstanding restaurant in Houston. It's a Mexican restaurant. Her family is from Mexico. She is very proud of her uh, homeland and her heritage and is a fascinating person and I invited her to come on and talk about tequila because tomorrow is National Tequila Day and we're not on tomorrow but it is uh, a big thing in the world of Mexican restaurants and in general really because there's a lot of cocktails being made with tequila. Uh, it is a subject of uh, about which I am woefully ignorant and um, don't even know where to begin, but she does. And so I'm hoping that she will um, impart some knowledge to us, just general knowledge. We don't need to be tequila makers, but uh, those people who drink tequila might like to know some uh, intricate details about its origins and how it's made and where it comes from and all that sort of thing. Five five six nine six nine six is the number. If you want to chat, I am here to do that with you. It's National Vanilla Ice Cream Day. And who doesn't love ice cream and vanilla and vanilla ice cream? According to Tom, it's National Vanilla Ice Cream Day. Vanilla ice cream is derided by many, especially the chocolate lovers. But try to imagine baked Alaska, bananas foster, Cherry's Jubilee, Mile High Ice Cream Pie, or Apple Pie a la mode without it. The best vanilla ice cream in Tom's experience was the French vanilla made by the late chef Warren LaRuth at his revolutionary Gretna restaurant. You know, I think about LaRuth's and I think about how revolutionary it was. It's like in the 80s. 
dining jumped up a quantum leap in terms of quality, overall quality of ingredients, preparations, presentation, it became a much more gourmet world. And um, locally, Warren LaRuth was definitely one of the uh, trailblazers in that regard. He claimed that it had an astronomical, we're back to the ice cream, an astronomical 25% butterfat content. He confided to Tom once that it was actually higher than that. He also made his own vanilla bean extract that had a flavor so wonderful you could almost use it as perfume. The LaRuth formulas are now being made by Ronald Reginald. The timing is right for this observance. July is National Ice Cream Month, so declared by President Ronald Reagan in 1984. And then Tom has a deaf dining rule right beneath that. Number 103, women who prefer vanilla ice cream to chocolate make boring dinner dates. I think the same thing can be said of guys. <laughs> Don't you, Patty? I do. I agree. Vanilla. Yeah. I mean, uh, vanilla is vanilla. I mean, it's good. It's definitely good. I was looking in Tom's office not long ago and found a cookbook whose name was Vanilla, and it was just all things vanilla. And vanilla is used in savory preparations, too. Uh, it has a, a flavor profile similar to tarragon, and uh, it's it's got an interesting twist that it imparts to a dish if it's savory. Personally, I'm not a, a big fan, but it, it definitely does put a spin on savory dishes. I've had them uh, a few times, and you definitely take note. No two ways about it. Uh, vanilla is a, a great ingredient. The local company, Ronald Reginald, is a superior product for sure. It is also frightfully expensive, but that just shows what a superior product it is and how much of the real deal it is. I went to go get Mary Lee Bakes, not often anymore, but she she goes through phases where she gets a lot of people who want her to bake cakes for them and then she'll do a bunch of cakes and then she won't for a while. But anyway, during one of her heavier moments, I had to go to the store and get some vanilla for her. And I there were two on the shelf at Rouse's and one was six ninety nine and one was thirty six ninety nine for the same size bottle and I thought, my gosh, what's the difference here? And one of them was the Mexican vanilla and the other wasn't, but wow, that's kind of crazy. We have Gregory wanting to be the first caller today. Hello, Gregory. I didn't mean to be the first caller, but I'm glad I am. No, come <laughs> on in. Man, I like when you reminisce about Warren LaRuth, and I can say, I mean, going there in the early 80s when I was just getting introduced to fine dining, uh -huh. and you actually had to go out of your way. Yeah, you did. You know, <laughs> you could, but it, it was all due to your husband letting us know, hey, this guy's out here doing this stuff, and he was yeah. just a terrific guy. Um, yeah. the same thing 
could Both be of them. said about. Yeah, I mean, there was there were these places. I mean, we have our grand dames, you like to call them, and I'm glad that right. they're still around. But what he was doing back then, and for the rest of his life, was incredible. Um, yeah, yeah. When you call, you know, at that day, time, the was, West Bank. Go yeah, ahead. it was on the West Bank. Yeah, it was in Gretna. Yeah, at, at that you, time, the West Bank had some really good restaurants. You I mean, can it, remember but, Willie Cohn's Chalet. Yeah, and uh, Burdue's. Um, oh, there, there were quite a few. Them. Yeah, there were quite a few. I anyway, go ahead. About them, and that's a restaurant I did go to back then. Um, but on, I guess it was Monday or Tuesday, you were reminiscing about Bricados and stuff. Aren't we? Go, mm-hmm. what, what are the institutions? And one of your calls, a regular call, I can't remember his name, but one of the greatest things after Katrina was hearing Tom's voice back on the radio. And I, mm-hmm. I couldn't agree with that more. And, uh, yep. you know, just being a, kind of like a beacon you know hey man we're back you know i know i know don't give up and uh i know as far as everything that i love about new orleans he usually agreed with and Mm -hmm. that's a pretty good thing it is he has done a tremendous uh service to both the local community of diners and to restaurateurs and uh and i am um proud to be carrying on the tradition it's not the same but you know no you know he carries you know he carries the new orleans brand on i mean he carried it on and uh yeah you know it's not very often i mean you could talk about famous broadcasters in New Orleans and a lot of them, you know, you know, you know, they'll tell you about newscasters and stuff. And, uh, but when it comes to radio and it comes to, uh, really, really being in touch with the, uh, pulse, I mean, I love just when, whenever WYES plays all their old shows, you know, about the famous mm-hmm. restaurants in New Orleans and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And especially, I don't know if you remember seeing Peggy Scott Laborde's 35th anniversary of stepping mm-hmm. out. And there's uh-huh. a very young Tom. I guess you guys must have been first been married because <laughs> Tom. Yeah, it's Tom was terrific. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't think the very... show was ever the same after he left. I mean, he was definitely the wild I card. Agree. He was definitely I agree. the wild I card. Agree. And he was out there. He was out there. Um, I remember um, seeing some reviews in the, we used to have that crazy thing that, it was a magazine, it wasn't a magazine, it, it was a restaurant guide, and it was one of his, I think it was Gene Borg that mm-hmm. would write it, and, uh, and uh, he gave a review about the Court of Two Sisters one time, which was one of the funniest things in the world, and he said, um, some of these things seem like a limp bar rag but Tom came back and said you know what you probably hit it on a bad night because the Court of Two Sisters it, it might be you know touristy and stuff like that he was always eager to give uh, restaurant uh, proper um, you know you know um, Tom has always you know, been a 
I used to love a, an ambassador for New Orleans and New Orleans food in particular. And uh, I feel like everything he's ever done, whether it's on the radio or in print, print has pretty yeah. much fallen along the lines of well, a love letter to New Orleans. It is a love letter to New Orleans. And Marianne, I'm glad you brought that up because we love him and we love you and we love your family. Um, his cookbook you. is still a staple. And I can't, well, hold on. That cookbook he put out, I mean, he didn't have to do that. And while Hungry Town is basically a love letter to New it really is. You have to be local to understand Hungry Town. But his, yes, but it's uh, still a good time. read regardless. You know, if you ever wanted to know what the, you know, what that time period was like, it's it's definitely we a good glimpse into that for sure. So, we were all here yeah. and uh, it was a, it was kind of like a lifeboat. If, yes. if I could use that euphemism to us, and um, yes, but it, he really was. But, he really is, and uh, he, I feel your enthusiasm. He is a treasure. He is, and it's he um, he's and, right up there with the best of the best. If only I could be, you know. I'm just glad to know him as a friend. Well, I guess I'm a friend. I've I'm, I'm met him on sure. so many occasions and so many e-clubs and you, of course. Yes. Big deal in this town. Yep. Well, Big deal. thank you, Gregory. You, I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank, thank you for letting me speak. I that, no, I, I think chair. that's wonderful, and I want to encourage that kind of talk because um, it is, uh, first of all, just a tragedy, and um, and... It is uh, a community I'm, I'm, and it's I'm, a family, you know? Right. I mean, you know, you know what I really liked about Tom? He always kept, you know, his personal life close to the chest. I mean, close yes. to his vest. Yes. And, uh, you know, he was, but he, he didn't mind being how proud he was of Jude <laughs> and of Mary Lee. And of, even of you. I don't know why, because you're a wacky wife. But anyway. <laughs> No, you know, it's funny. Uh, it's funny that you say that because that is the one point of contention, uh, or I should say the, the conversation uh, that people fall down in two camps about. Um, I, I just got a note um, the other day about that, and the person said, well, you know, some people complain about that, but I really liked it. So, yeah, it I is. Like it it's too. It's funny. Well, that's what I said. Most people did. Most people he did. Was, he was the, uh, he's professional when he was on the air. When it came to his family, uh, he didn't mind bragging about, but he's like, I, know. I remember people I know. calling about, well, you know, oh, so who is this person that Jude's marrying? And he said, well, I'm not talking about oh, that. Yeah, I, you I, can't. I promise no, that... you, on the radio show, people used to ask him, who is this person? <laughs> No, and I know it's too bad, but LA. <laughs> that's that's uh, yeah. We can't we can't. Uh, that's very that's very private. So never mind. I know, I know, and that's what we loved. I mean, because I mean, I kind of wish you did stay here. I kind of you know. I mean, but uh, you know, uh, <laughs> but you know. Oh well, we all right, Gregory. I have, to, <laughs> I have to have a break. So I I thank you for calling. I really appreciate oh, thank it, you for and uh, keep so listening. With Thanks. Me. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. 556-9696 is the number. If you would like to talk to me, I'm Marianne Fitzmorris here. We'd love to talk to you about food. Uh, we are awaiting the call of Monica Richards, who is going to be talking about tequila today. But there's a lot of other things. We haven't even really started uh, Tom's Little Almanac, which I like to just use 
um, to generate content and chatter for the show. If you have any restaurant reviews or restaurant reports, we would love to hear them. Ours are uh, a little um, less frequent than they used to be for obvious reasons, but we still do it. I don't have one today, but I'd love to hear yours. 556-9696. Right down the highway from the excellent Keith Young Steakhouse is Five Girls, and the food is very good casual fare. Here is a fantastic club sandwich with homemade potato chips, a great Cuban, good salads, and the best red beans and rice we have ever had. Poor boys, hamburgers, and terrific fried seafood. Five Girls, 305 Highway 21 in Madisonville, 985-845-2348. Autumn in New York, why does it seem so inviting? I'm glad that the Keith Young's spot just came on because it reminded me that I did, in fact, have a restaurant report, and it's Keith Young's. I listen to that spot every day, and I say, well, you know, we're overdue to go there. We usually we used to go to Keith's a lot more, but it's kind of out of our one-mile radius, and so we go still sometimes, but not nearly as much as we used to. But we love it. We're, you know, I, I say that there are two, there are two big steakhouses on the North Shore, and you fall into one camp or the other. I really do believe that. I think you are either a uh, Pat Gallagher person or a Keith Young person, and uh, that's not to say that you don't cross over. I mean, we go to Pat Gallagher's a lot also, but we are definitely, if you gave me a choice, we're eating steak tonight, where are we going? I'd say Keith Young's. Hands down, I wouldn't have to think about it twice. Uh, now, Desi Vega has joined the ranks over here, but that is a completely different thing. I, I am intrigued by the presence of Desi Vega over here. It's very, it's funny, the name kind of says it all. It's very Vegasy. So if you took the apostrophe out, it would be Desi Vegas. And it really, it really is like that. It's an unusual space. It's going to um, attract a certain clientele. And I don't think either one of those other steakhouses would attract the same person. I think it's going to be a much younger group. It's going to be a um, a hipper, flashier kind of. It's a it's a scene. It's definitely a scene. The other two places are just good, delicious steakhouses where you go to dine. The other one is kind of a thing in itself. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not really a fan. You probably tell that. Uh, I think the food's delicious there, but it's just not my scene. And I think I think you have to be, for it to be your scene, you have to be a certain kind of person. That I'm not making any judgment or anything. I'm just saying uh, it's not a stage kind of place. It's it's kind of like Vegas comes to the North Shore. So. Um, we went to Keith's last night. We usually go to Keith's for lunch, but we uh, we just wound up going for dinner last night. And I was really glad that we did because it's a different experience, lunch and dinner. 
and uh, it was really nice. And I'm gonna resolve to go back there more for dinner because it was, it was uh, much more low key. It's kind of you know they they bring out the candles and they, you know, it's kind of a darker environment, and it's just kind of a, a nice, comfortable dinner environment. And uh, the food was, I mean, I just, it was like I had this itch that needed to be scratched last night, and it really was. Uh, they were super busy. They had a big, like, they've got three parking lots. They're all always full with good reason. And um, it was busy last night as well. And um, we had a nice little corner table. What we started with was a Greek salad to split because it, it was like a giant Greek salad. And um, it was balsamic vinaigrette. I'm not a balsamic vinaigrette person. I'm not a, I would say I'm not a balsamic vinegar person at all, but I do like it. It's just, I've got to be in the mood or something. I don't know, but I, I have a hit or miss thing with balsamic vinegar. So I really didn't want a balsamic vinaigrette, but I didn't know what else to get on a Greek salad. So I had them bring it and it was delicious. I've never had a balsamic vinaigrette like that. It was really thick and just terrific, really terrific. So I was glad I had that on the salad. So we had that as uh, an appetizer it was, you know, your standard sort of Greek salad. It was tomatoes and purple onion with some feta, cucumber, kalamata olives, nice fresh greens, artichokes. It was really good. And then um, we got, Tom did not get the turtle soup, which was odd, but I'm glad because he was ready to go after the first course. And there was still a steak coming with some cream spinach, and they serve the uh, the steak with uh, potatoes au gratin there. So we had the potatoes au gratin, but I also ordered a baked potato because that's what I really felt like eating. So we had potatoes au gratin and a baked potato and cream spinach. And it was steak perfection. It was really delicious. It was perfectly cooked. I found it to be an extremely satisfying steak, steakhouse experience. And I will go more often. I hear the spot. I say, we got to get over there. And then, you know, we don't. And now we did and we will because it was, it was quite good. It was really one of those experiences where you leave and you're just totally pleased and you don't even know why, but you... Because, I mean, we eat out all the time, but it was just extraordinarily pleasant and a, a wonderful evening. I did almost set my hair on fire, but that was kind of a problem. I mean, just a brief little thing. I was, I was leaning over to do something for Tom, and I smelled burned hair. And I realized that my, my hair was in the candle on the table, which was, um, you know, it's just, it's always, always something. It's... Uh, Never a dull moment here in the Fitzmorris household. 5569696 is the number. If you want to talk to me, I'm Marianne Fitzmorris wanting to talk to you. It's National Vanilla Ice Cream Day. If you have any thoughts about your favorite
Ice cream? Let's hear it. We're going to have somebody on to talk about ice cream. Um, we haven't day yet, but it is, as was mentioned in the Almanac, National um, July is National Ice Cream Month. So we're going to have someone call on to, uh, to call to talk about favorite flavors of ice cream, biggest sellers, and that kind of thing. I find those conversations to be uh, really interesting. The edible dictionary word today is brought to you by Dorignax, one of the top 20 regional supermarkets of all time. The edible dictionary word today is soupy al telefono. It's an Italian word. It translates literally to telephone wires. It's a name that will puzzle anyone who's seen but not eaten the dish. These are balls of rice about the size of a golf ball held together with eggs and sometimes with just enough tomato sauce to make the rice a pale orange. In the center is a cube of mozzarella cheese. The balls are rolled in breadcrumbs and fried long enough that the interior is very hot. When you eat into it with a fork and lift the bite to your mouth, festoons of cheese stretch between the ball and the fork. These are supposed to resemble telephone wires. The dish is a common appetizer around Italy, especially in Rome. I was just talking about this the other day, uh, talking about a particular um, appetizer that is in a cast iron skillet over at Maribo, where that effect of the cheese that just never ends is really, really pronounced to to a ridiculous degree. A ridiculous degree. I mean, it's it's kind of comical. You just you just can't make the cheese stop. <laughs> All right, it is time for the Louisiana Radio Network news. At the bottom of the hour, it's three thirty. We'll be back. Louisiana Radio Network. I'm Brooke Thorington. The state reports more than three thousand new COVID cases today, and current hospitalizations have exceeded a thousand. Governor John Bill Edwards will hold a three p.m. press conference today, along with health officials, to address the ongoing fourth surge in cases. The fourth surge has also sparked the mayors of New Orleans and Shreveport to issue indoor mask advisories. LSU Health Shreveport infectious disease specialist Dr. John Fancheri says the Delta variant is responsible for 80% of the current cases. He says that the Delta variant is 50% more transmissible than the Alpha variant, which was 50% more contagious than the original. None of us want to have to wear masks. Just not fun. None of us want to have to go back to lockdowns. The only way we can change that from happening again is to get vaccinated. For a list of vaccination and testing sites, visit ldh.la.gov forward slash coronavirus LRN. It's our anniversary. The Louisiana Lottery is 30 years young. That's 30 years of giving you a reason to smile. For the celebration, we're bringing back an old favorite. The multiplier tickets are back. You can enjoy multiplying your winnings up to $200,000. There's even a multiplier crossword. Play $1 five times the cash with the top prize of $5,000. $2 10 times the cash where you can win up to $20,000. Three-time extreme crossword paying up to $30,000. And there is also a $10 50 times the cash paying up to a whopping $200,000. And, and as part of our 30-year celebration, be sure to check out the $5 30 times the cash ticket with our anniversary logo and the special bonus feature on the back. 
that ticket pays up to $100,000. Pick up your tickets today. The Louisiana Lottery, celebrating 30 years of giving you a reason to smile. Must be 21 to purchase. The Edwards Mortgage Group, the Mason Collective, NOLA Title Group, and ARC Insurance Consultants are the ones to call on for all of your home needs. Whether it's mortgages, closing, sales, or insurance, they take care of your home needs, and now they have come together to help take care of the needs of our beloved New Orleans music community by partnering with Bougainvillea Productions and Soul Project NOLA for FunkyUncle.Live. FunkyUncle.Live is a free webcast live from the one-of-a-kind Mardi Gras float, the Funky Uncle Lounge, that features New Orleans musicians playing live music combined with interviews and outreach news to raise money for the entertainment community of New Orleans that have been impacted by COVID-19. You can join in the funky fun time by simply going to www.FunkyUncle.Live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Coming to the Funky Uncle Lounge on July 21st, it's a Hot 8 Brass Band, and on July 28th, Brent Anderson. For more information on how you can support live from the Funky Uncle, go to funkyuncle.live and follow us on social media. I like a Gershwin tune. How about you? Who doesn't love a Gershwin tune? Today is also the birthday of the ice cream cone. We know that the year was 1904, and the place was the St. Louis World's Fair, and the story was an ice cream vendor ran out of cups, bought some waffles from a nearby vendor, used them as plates, and then people rolled them up. But the names of the inventors differ. Today's story involves one Charles Menches. Eat an ice cream cone today in honor of whoever is the real innovator. I didn't eat an ice cream cone, but I did eat some vanilla ice cream. <laughs> okay, so Patty, when you get ice cream at an ice cream parlor, do you get it in a cup? Do you get it in a cone? And if you do get it in a cone, what kind of cone? I usually do get a cone, and I like that uh, they call it a sugar cone. I really don't know why, but it's the Me too. One. That's my favorite. <laughs> Yeah, I That's love my it. Favorite. I love it. And yeah. I usually do get yeah. it in a cone. Okay. Uh, now, I'm not a big fan of waffle cones, probably because I'm not a fan of waffles. But uh, And the cake cone seems to be sort of a total waste. And I never did, for the longest time, understand why they called that a cake cone and the other one a sugar cone. Yeah, I don't get but, it. Well, but you know what? I think the sugar cone probably does have a lot of sugar in it. But uh, but what I like about it is its consistency. I think it is, I like the fact that it crunches and the ice cream is smooth and creamy and then you have the crunch of the cone. And there's something, I won't say chocolatey about it, but it's darker yeah. and I, I just like it. I like it. Yeah, I do yeah. too. Yeah. And I wonder, that's another thing I'm fascinated by what, you know, what everyone else likes too. I wonder if the incidence of people ordering sugar cones versus cake cones, I think they're probably both dwarfed by waffle cones. I think most people probably get waffle cones. I'm not crazy um, about waffle cones. Me neither. Me neither. But I think that a lot of people do get them. All right, so I'm going to put this out to the audience. What do you get when you go to an ice cream parlor? Are you a cup person? 
a cone person? And if you are a cone person, what kind of cone do you get? Because there are three that I know of. There may be others, but those are the three that I'm aware of. I don't usually go to ice cream parlors, as I've said before. I can do without ice cream. Um, but I like it, you know, and I, I, I probably tend more to get like a, a shake or something. But there's a place up in Covington that we absolutely love called Hoodoo. Started out as, as a lot of these small businesses do at the farmer's market using Mote dairy products and Smith dairy products, which are ultra premium North Shore dairies. And the product is, I mean, you can tell it's really rich. It's really extra delicious. And it's a little ice cream shop in Covington in a space off the main drag. And we wondered how they were going to do because, you know, they just turned up and there they are. But every time we go in there, there's a line to get in there. So it's certainly caught on and I'm happy for them. It's a good, it's a good ice cream. It's one of those ultra premium ice creams where if you bought the container out of the case, it's like $10 for a small container. But people like their luxury and they're doing very well and I'm happy for them. But we've been going there when we need an ice cream fix and uh, they have something called ice cream flights, which I think is really, really an interesting little twist. You can get four scoops of different ice creams and it's some ridiculous price and uh, sample four different things. And it's, it's really good. They're little stainless steel cups. But anyway, if I had to do a cone, it would be a sugar cone. I am uh, glad that we on this are on the same page there, Patty. <laughs> I, I didn't know how many people really went for sugar cones. I thought more people were cake cone people or certainly waffle cone people. That seems to be what I would think of the average person's cone preferences. You know, uh, com Community mm -hmm. Coffee has a new flavor of coffee called Vanilla Waffle Cone. I bet you that's good. I, bet you, I, I mean, haven't I, tasted it yet, but I want to. Yeah. Are you? What's your coffee brand? Your per, preferred coffee brand? Uh, I we have a Keurig, and I buy the the coffee at Costco is mm. awesome. The dark roast coffee, really it, good. Is it Keurig brand? No, it's Kirkland's brand. It's Costco's oh. brand. I don't know okay. who roasts it for them. I never read the box, but. I've tried a lot of it, and it's good. It's not bitter. A lot of dark roast coffees are bitter, and it's not. Uh -huh. um, what What is a Keurig? It's, uh, I thought it was one of those little capsule things. It's it is. Not... It's one of those machines that, you know, makes one cup at a time. Oh, okay. And that's okay. what they are. They're little pods of dark roast coffee. Yes, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's so you buy a pod, and it goes in. and. Yep. Okay. That would be kind of a lot of, well, I would say a lot of work. I mean, you're obviously not doing it, you know. I mean, I guess you are. Do you put, do you put water in it? Of yeah, course yeah. You, you fill it up with water. Like we'll uh -huh. fill it up usually once every day or two. Because we only drink, Bob and I only drink one cup of coffee in the morning. Oh, is that right? Okay. So you're not all day drinkers. Oh, no, no, no. Because Why? I'd be up all night. <laughs> okay, because I was about to say, because most people who drink coffee and like coffee drink coffee all day long. 
No. You know, and I, I, and I, I guess it's because I don't drink coffee, but I find the process of making coffee really a pain. I know you so, do. You should get a Keurig. But well, Tom drinks it all day, doesn't he? He, well, he does. He does. And then, you know, he stopped drinking it because I wasn't doing it right. Then Mike <laughs> called and gave me some pointers, and now he's back to drinking it all day. So, like I said, thank you, Mike. Now my I've got a full-time job again. But um, it's it's a basic coffee thing. It's, um, I think it's Mr. Coffee. Mm-hmm. So you have the grounds. You put the grounds in a, um, a filter, yeah, a and then you you know, pour the water in. So it's, it's kind of a project. I mean, I, you know, and and I drink tea and I, it, that's a project too, but it's not as much of a project or maybe it's just that I'm making it for me and I don't think of it as a project. (laughs) I don't know. But anyway, (laughs) I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty simple tea drinker. You know, I do a tea bag in some hot water and some lemon and that's it. But, you know, those are steps to take, too. That's so, right. What you do know, you think about coffee-flavored ice cream? I don't like the flavor of coffee to such a degree that I actually think I have, like, a chemical revulsion to it. Like, I can pick mm. up the tiniest strain of coffee in anything. Hmm. And and I'm pretty good at it. I mean, I if I feel like I've I've noticed it, I ask, and yes, there is coffee in it. And um, and so I don't I don't like it. I like the way it smells, but I don't like the way it tastes. And A I mean, lot I've of people been, use coffee in chocolate cake. Well, chocolate cake in chocolate mm-hmm. mousse. There's a lot of you know cross referencing there between coffee and chocolate. Mm-hmm. But uh, my daughter-in-law drinks you know chocolate uh, hot chocolate as a as an, as an enhancement in her coffee. So mm. there's a lot of coffee crossover there. But um, I just, it seems like a, a lot a lot of trouble. And I don't, um, there's a, I'll tell you what, if you are interested in coffee-flavored desserts, there is one, somebody mentioned something about the, it might have been creme brulee, did somebody mention creme brulee I think so. coffee? A coffee, yeah, I coffee think creme so. brulee yesterday. Was it yesterday on the show? Yeah, I think so. It might have been. I think it might have been a South Shore place, but I know on the North Shore, at Rest a While, Pat Gallagher has this absolutely gorgeous. Uh, wait, it's coffee and chicory creme brulee, and it's served mm-hmm. with two vanilla cookies, and it's really. It's a beautiful thing to behold, but it tastes like coffee, so I'm not interested in it. But Tom, Tom had it, and he liked it a lot. It was a, it's a coffee and chicory uh, creme brulee. I don't understand chicory either. Um, do you drink? Do you drink that? Only, only in cafe au lait. Uh-huh. Uh, I okay. don't drink it by itself. I've got to have half milk, half chicory. Okay, so now, is your Keurig? Is do you do milk no. in there too? No, I don't. Like, oh, so you're like a black coffee drinker. Well, I used half and half in the Keurig, just uh-huh. to, just a touch, just to change the uh-huh. color a little bit. But okay. I don't know, coffee and chicory, I've got to have half milk, half coffee and chicory. Probably a lot of sugar, too, if you don't like the bitterness of right. coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the beignets. Well, that's, a, <laughs> that's another thing now that, that we're annoys. talking about that. 
<laughs> That's another thing that annoys me about getting Tom's coffee. He needs like six sweet and lows in there. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I just go, can't I just put sugar? Because all I have to do is scoop it that way. <laughs> and, and he goes, no, I don't like the taste of sugar. And I'm like, oh, God. So anyway, that's probably why I cringe every time I see the coffee pot getting <laughs> getting down to the end. <laughs> All right, 5569696 is the number if you want to talk to us. We're just babbling here about well, coffee now, but you know, anything you want having to do with the food universe cuz that's what we do. Been doing it for a long time, 33 years this month. Today's the birthday of Diet Coke introduced today in 1982. It's now the biggest selling diet drink in the world. It now seems such an obvious product. One wonders why Coca-Cola was so reluctant to use its vaunted name on it. But when Coca-Cola came out with, it, with its first diet cola, they called it Tab. Diet Coke sold far better than Tab ever did. That's because Tab was really awful. It wasn't just because of intense marketing, but also because it tasted better, sweeter than Tab. Less well-known is that Diet Coke was really the first appearance of the flavor that later appeared as New Coke. Do you drink diet sodas, Patty? I do. I drink uh, mostly Coke Zero, but if, I, if, mm -hmm. I don't, if, there, if that's not available, I will drink a Diet Coke. What's the difference? I really... It, in the fountain drinks, I really can't tell a difference. But in the canned drinks, uh, the Coke Zero tastes a little more to me like regular Coke and less like diet, if that makes sense. Mm. Okay. Well, Coke Zero doesn't have sugar or caffeine. Is that right? I think it has caffeine, but it has no sugar. Well, what does Diet Coke have? Fake sugar? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, I think it's a different type of sweetener they use. Okay. Diet Coke has I mean, that aspartame in it. Okay. Um, tab was nasty oh, stuff. Oh, it was. Nasty <laughs> stuff. That. You know, they're still making it. I know. Do you know that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was surprised to, to hear that. About a year or two ago on the other station... Uh, we got to talking about Tab, and someone called and said that not only are they still making it, it's kind of fairly easily available. I mean, this is not something I would ever look for, so I didn't know, but um, I don't know who would still be drinking Tab when there are other options that seem much more palatable to me. Anyway, 5569696 is the number if you want to talk to us. That's what we're doing. Just, you know, you, you hear it. You can join it if you want. 5569696. We'll be back. Have you ever eaten something new and wondered where it had been all your life? We thought that about Double D Sausage after having it at a friend's house. But restaurants all over town serve it in their gumbo, red beans, and jambalaya. It's made right in Bogalusa, and the company is in its third generation. Double D Sausage is a light smoke pure pork sausage with notes of sage and other spices. Try the regular mild and hot and new flavors like the Cajun variety and jalapeno and cheddar. Double D Sausage in stores all over town. The best meals always start with the best ingredients. If you're cooking seafood, the best ingredients are at Mandeville Seafood. All local fish, Louisiana shrimp, oysters, crab, crawfish, wild salmon, and Dungeness crabs. With a little notice, Mandeville Seafood can get anything in the seafood universe you may want to try. And it's crawfish season. Having a boil? Bring your ice chest to Mandeville Seafood. 
celebrating 25 years. I'll take Manhattan, the Bronx, and Staten Island, too. Yes, indeed. And uh, that would, well, I would say that'd be a good thing to do because the weather's probably better, but the weather's pretty good here, too. It's just really warm. I think that I'm either getting old or it's getting hotter, but I know that as a lifelong um, passionate alfresco diner, I'm finding my interest in dining out lessening as the summer goes on because I find it just really hot. Walk outside and you're sweating almost immediately. That is if it's not raining. It's a birthday today in 1947 of the world's most influential wine writer. His name is Robert Parker Jr. He was an attorney. So many attorneys go into the food and wine business. It's interesting because there's a lot of them who own restaurants. But Robert Parker Jr. was an attorney who was so intent on finding and enjoying the best wines that he became a tireless investigator of the viticultural world. He tastes thousands of wines and writes voluminously on the subject in his newsletter, The Wine Advocate. Rating wines on a scale of 100, Parker's reviews became so important that many wine stores began posting his ratings right next to the prices of wines. It became a wine snob boast to never drink a wine rated below 90 by Robert Parker's by Robert Parker. Parker's integrity has always been solid. He spurns the hospitality of winemakers and buys the wines he reviews instead of accepting free samples. Nevertheless, he has been under attack in recent years. Some say that his enormous influence has an unnatural effect on the wine world, causing too many winemakers to make wine to his preferences just to get high scores and thereby sell more wine. It's not Parker's fault, but that of the winemakers and wine drinkers who ought to have more confidence in their own tastes. That's kind of an interesting little post. As of all of the like mics in the world who are really passionate into wine and know an enormous amount about wine and have probably a very extensive wine collection of really great wines. Most of us don't know or frankly don't care that much. It's just a bottle of wine or a glass of wine. And if it tastes good, we're going to drink it um, with dinner or whatever. And I think that the people who really know wine, I mean, I'm a heathen, so I could be wrong about this, but, and maybe wine people hang out with wine people, but I don't know anybody who knows enough about wine. I mean, Tom does, but who knows enough about wine to really, really talk wine and be discerning about wine when ordering wine. And I just think that that's probably a misstep of winemakers to focus on a small percentage of really knowledgeable 
wine people who could appreciate the Robert Parker or even who, who even know who Robert Parker is uh, when there's a lot more people who just want a good tasting wine. I could be wrong about that, but that just seems like a, an interesting observation that this one person who is incredibly well-respected could have that much of an influence on the actual making of wine. I think that's, that's quite a power trip, I would say. Anyway, 5569696, if you have any comments about that, I'd love to hear them. Today's words to eat by are, I could never understand what Sir Godfrey Teal saw in Jill Bennett until I saw her at the Caprice eating corn on the cob. I love these things. They're just so bizarre. Carol Coral Brown was an Australian actor born today in 1913. That is his words to eat by. And another one is from Jim Feebig. Age does not diminish the extreme disappointment of having a scoop of ice cream fall from the cone. <laughs> you know, I actually think that... Um, actually think that's not true it is definitely disappointing to have ice cream fall from a cone it's probably a lot rarer for an adult than it is for a kid and it's probably a lot less traumatic for an adult than a kid but it is an interesting little quote and uh one to chuckle I, give me a chuckle anyway. Words to drink by today. None so deaf as those who will not hear. None so blind as those who will not see. But I'll wager none so deaf nor blind that he sees not nor hears me say, come drink this beer. That's from W.L. Hasselt. I don't even know who half of the people are that Tom is quoting here. We have a birthday here locally. Today is the birthday of uh, former Mayor Moon Landrew of the Landrew political dynasty here locally. So happy birthday to him. Let's see. So he was born in 1930. So that makes him 91. Is that right? I think so. That's right, isn't it, Patty? I think so. <laughs> you're, you're figuring it out too. Yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah. I think he's I think he's ninety one. Okay. Five five six nine six nine six is the number. If you want to talk to me, I'm here, ready to talk to you about food. I'm going through the uh, any the weekend almanac since it's Friday because they have some cool stuff that you miss if we don't uh, have a show and we don't have a show on the weekends. So over the weekend, Antipasto Day, International Antipasto Day is on Sunday. The word translates from the Italian as before the repast, and that's just where you find it. Restaurants in Italy place it so far ahead of the main part of dinner that the antipasto is typically on a table just inside the front door. Here in New Orleans, most of us know antipasto as a plate of prosciutto, salami, cheeses, and olives served ice cold. While all of those items are commonly found on an antipasto spread, the good ones go far beyond to include a wealth of marinated and fresh vegetables. 
eggplant served several ways, mushrooms, asparagus, escarole, carrots, green beans, and whatever else is fresh. Seafood is also common, particularly cephalopods like squid and octopus. The common thread running through most of this is olive oil, along with garlic and herbs. All of this is served at cool room temperature, releasing maximum flavor and aroma. When chefs with more recent ties to Italy began opening restaurants here, antipasto began diversifying. The two restaurants that have offered the best versions are Andrea's and the now defunct Cafe Giovanni. I don't remember ever seeing a case of antipasto at Cafe Giovanni, but Andreas serves it in the way of the old country where there's a case of it and you can look at it and you can pick it out. The second best place I've seen that in America is Patsy's in New York City. We went there once on a, a trip and Tom wanted to go because it was a hangout of Frank Sinatra's. And you walk right in and there's just like this massive... Um, display. It's a display case with dishes of antipasto in there. You can buy a fine assortment of antipasto at stores with good gourmet-to-go sections. It's a great first course, especially in hot months. The antipasto at, and I'm trying to see what the difference, I guess antipasti and antipasto are interchangeable. I think that um, I think that antipasti is maybe the plural of antipasto, but Patty, can you check on that for me, please? I will. Um, yeah, I think that I think that's the way it works. I see I see them used though interchangeably on menus, and I think that they're. Um, I, I can't really tell what the difference is between a board, like we were talking about yesterday, a charcuterie board and antipasti or antipasto. I think that antipasto, like the Italian version, has more vegetables, like grilled and marinated vegetables. I know that Andrea has a lot of vegetables in his antipasti or antipasto uh, case. But it is a delicious first course and a really filling one. I think it's really great if you get like some vegetables that are grilled and doused in olive oil. I think the more olive oil and garlic and herbs that you have, it makes it all the better, particularly with something like eggplant. You were right. But it is antipasti is the plural of yes. antipasto. Antipasto okay. is the singular form of the word, while antipasti is the plural. Okay. Form. Okay. Thank you. Uh, grilled squash, zucchini, uh, eggplant, roasted red peppers, roasted other peppers, pepperoncini, cheese. You know, like chunks of cheese. <laughs> with olive oil and garlic, you know, on top of it, served with a really crusty toasted ciabatta is a really great 
first course. And it, it's so great for me that what happens is I wind up taking a giant plate of antipasti and will fill up on that. And then I'm not really hungry at all for the rest of it. Also, buffalo milk mozzarella is in there and, and chunks of Parmesan cheese with um, balsamic vinegar, which is, I don't know, until last night with the balsamic vinegar dressing, uh, maybe the best way to eat balsamic vinegar. Anyway, delicious, delicious first course to Italian food. We will be back after the top of the hour, and we will have with us Monica Richards, WGSO New Orleans, 3 o'clock. USA Radio News. I'm Brad Bernards. An archbishop on Thursday responded to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's claim, a devout Catholic who supports abortion. Let me repeat, no one can claim to be a devout Catholic and condone the killing of innocent human life. San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordelione said in a statement. Pelosi was asked during a press conference earlier in the day why Democrats have declined to allow a vote on a bill that would block taxpayer-funded abortions. Known as the Indians, since 1915, Cleveland's Major League Baseball team will be called the Guardians. The ball club announced the name change Friday with a video narrated by Tom Hanks. Because this is the city we love and the game we believe in. And together, we are all Cleveland Guardians. This is USA Radio News. The reviews for Extendivite are amazing. Amazon customer, it's amazing. I just ordered my second bottle. In one month, my blood pressure dropped significantly. I no longer get chest pain after I exercise. The reviews are spot on. My target is to get off of BP meds. And if it keeps going like this, I see a light at the end of the tunnel. Amazon customer. Extendivite works great. This product has made my blood pressure and cholesterol stable. I highly recommend it. Amazon customer. Excellent herbal formula. I've been using it to keep my cardiovascular system fine-tuned. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. That's H-E-A-R-T-D-R-O-P.com. As COVID-19 cases are again on the rise across the country, this time due to the Delta variant, some are calling for masks to be made mandatory once more in school classrooms. But Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says that won't happen in the Sunshine State. I have a three-year-old son. You got people like Fauci saying he should be muzzled, that you should be throwing masks on these three-year-old kids. Uh, it's totally unacceptable. Earlier this week, the American Academy of Pediatrics recommended universal masking in schools, regardless of vaccination status. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said on Thursday that the Chinese Communist Party's recent move to reject a second investigation into the origins of COVID-19 is dangerous and called on the regime to allow investigators inside the country without interference. The World Health Organization presented a plan days ago to audit laboratories and wet markets in Wuhan. This is USA Radio News. 
Now you can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 800-215-5141. 800-215-5141. That's 800-215-5141. A teenage pilot had to make an emergency landing on a New Jersey bridge Monday afternoon after the aircraft experienced an engine malfunction. Landon Lucas, 18, was flying a banner plane over the southern New Jersey shoreline when he realized the airbox of his plane was dangling off the spring, preventing a proper flow of fuel on his aircraft. Once your propeller actually comes to a complete stop and you're just you're sitting there like, holy crap, I can't screw this up. Flying a plane's easy. But the- Rain chance coming back tomorrow, but a dry night ahead for the overnight. Muggy, warm and humid, 70s to 80, kicking off the day. Morning sunshine, then afternoon. Pop-up thunderstorm is a possibility again Friday. Otherwise, afternoon highs hitting up into the mid-90s. Heat index is up to 100 degrees plus. The rain chance is going to go up a little bit and perhaps take the edge off that heat a little bit Saturday as well as Sunday. Scattered afternoon thunderstorms daily with highs of lower to mid-90s. Ralph Sanji, WGSO. Need to replace your Social Security card? In most states, you can request one online with a My Social Security account. A My Social Security account gives you secure access to your personal earnings history and benefit status. You can also get a proof of income letter, estimate and apply for benefits, and more. Save time. Go online. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. Tom likes to say the second course of the food show. I'm Marianne Fitzmorris looking to talk food with you. We do not have Monica on the phone. Is that what you said, Patty? Not She's yet. not called but we yet. We have Michael 75. Well, let's go with Michael 75 then. We'll wait and hope that Monica calls. Hello, Michael. Hello, Dad. You were talking about Hello coffee there. and Coke, Coke etc. I, I remember an experience I had. I went to take a deposition at a lawyer's office, and his secretary came out and asked me, do you want coffee or Coke? I said, I'll have coffee. And so she said, what do you want with it? I said, a little uh, cream and five sugars. <laughs> and she reacted in horror and saying, I will refuse, <laughs> I refuse to give you a, uh, a coffee with five sugars. I said, lady, did you offer me a Coke? <laughs> Didn't you know a Coke has eight sugars in it? Michael, that is a perfect response and one that I would certainly expect from you. And um, and I'm appalled that she would have that response. Did she relent after that? Yeah, definitely. I had, uh, I had to show it to her on the uh, on my uh, smartphone. Before Wait, she, she didn't believed. believe you? No. Uh, she I'm didn't believe lawyer. that. I'm a, I thought that I'm was a lawyer. Nobody believes me. <laughs> 
Yeah, but she works in a lawyer's office, so I wouldn't be. I'm not surprised that she had that tact when you said that. But uh, but uh, but I'm glad that you that you responded the way you did. But so actually, I, cut, I hate to I say cut, it, but kudos to you. What? A year or two later, I cut it down to a chemistry experiment. Uh, I use in my coffee right now. Two sugars, two sweet and low. I uh, want sweet and low, and two equals. It's perfect. Two sugars, one sweet and low. Why do you do that, Michael? Does does there real does chemical sugar really taste that different? I mean, yeah, we mean from each other. Sugar cane? No, no, I'm no, saying that's... I'm saying that all of them are some kind of chemical, so they all oh, yeah. must have that chemical taste. Oh, no, oh, aspartame, which is the equal, and uh, uh, sweet and low taste completely different. For some reason, they blend together, though. And speaking okay. of blend, speaking of blending together, I I, uh, I love box root beer, but I'm I was trying to cut down. So uh, about five years ago, my, I, I make this combination at home. One eight, one ounce of box real root beer and seven ounces of diet box. It's perfect. It tastes just like the real one. <laughs> Mrs. Seventy Five. I really, really want to talk to Mrs. Seventy Five. Oh, that's God. all I can that'd say. Be, that'd be terrible. <laughs> anyway, here's a couple little tips from the town crier. Okay. I, I bought a wagyu ribeye. I'm uh -huh. sorry. Excuse me. Wagyu sirloin strip at Robert's uh, two days ago. I think it's still on sale for fourteen ninety nine. It was a, it was two inches thick. It was the most beautiful piece of meat. I it, tremendously marbled. Okay, can uh, I can so, I interject? I know you don't like me to interject things, but can I ask yeah, you a question? No, no, I, lo I love an interjection. Go ahead. Okay, okay. Do you really tell a big difference between wagyu and regular beef? Oh, yes, definitely. You do. In okay. fact, uh, that leads me to a story. Tom had a uh, eat club. I don't think you were there at uh, Audubon Park one time. It was a, it was the greatest deal he'd ever had, $39. He uh -huh. had five courses, and a guy uh, from Mississippi who raised Wagyu cattle, uh -huh. uh, that, was the, that was the main course. And he, had, and he also had, uh, with, with every course, they had a wine from a, a winemaker, uh, and it was spectacular for thirty nine dollars. Was that was that at the at the clubhouse? Yeah, the auto. I think that is a really terrific place. I'm not talking about great food, but it's just uh, like an underrated, flies under the radar, cool place. Right. Yeah, and you get the nice view of the golf course. Yeah. But uh, yeah. also, here, here's the deal. Another special today I, I happened upon is that a Rouse's fresh halibut for fourteen ninety nine a pound, delicious mm. uh, looking. And so mm -hmm. uh, uh, those are two discoveries. And tomorrow for my uh, double Jack Benny birthday at Roos Chris Steakhouse, I'm having the cowboy, the prime cowboy ribeye, 22 ounces. Yeah, I love it. I almost had that last night, but Tom doesn't like ribeye, so we stuck with a filet. Okay, so the Jack Benny, why? Because he's cheap? No, because, yes, probably that too. But no, he always <laughs> told people when he was 70 years old, how old are you? He would always say, I'm 39. So I'm a double Jack <laughs> Benny. 
I see. Okay. So, Michael, here's what I wonder, which I, when I listen to you talk, here's what I wonder. I wonder, and this is why I want to talk to Mrs. 75, among other reasons, but I wonder how you have the time to find all of these deals, to cook these things, to run around and pick up food, to eat this food, to watch all of these cooking shows. How, how do you do that? You're busy. But oh, that's uh, uh, that's only a few of my uh, uh, areas. Interest, I, I yes. Like, I like. Yeah. I like. Here's a few areas that I like: politics, art, religion, <laughs> theater, science, history, music, sports, <laughs> gambling, food, wine, literature, law, travel, and economics. That's it. I'm weak on. Okay, but Michael, if you devote as much time as you do to the consumption preparation and investigation and experimentation with food. I mean, like it took a lot, I'm sure, for you to come up with the exact formula for the chemical sweeteners in your coffee. You know, these are things that take a lot of time. Not really. I mean, I tried a few times and that's it. Same thing with the bar fruit beer experiment. But uh, no, I, and I always had great staff at my office. So I, I was not playing blackjack and uh, fooling with my resources and everything. They'd get me ready for the trial, and then, then I'd try the cases. <laughs> I thought you were going to say they do the experiments with the sugars. Okay, keep going. <laughs> no. But anyway, go to Rouse's and Robert's at two hours for great deals. Okay. All right. Okay. okay. That's it. Week. Yeah, that's, that's your it. whole room. Oh, wow. That was um, brief. Okay. Unless, unless you've got any questions, I'll be happy to answer. No, no, no. That was my big question. When I hear you talk, oh, by the way, no, I do have a question actually. How's your diet going? The diet is a little weak. I've been uh, <gasps> going to all kinds of places. I've Michael. gained seven pounds out of the 33 no. I lost. So, but but I, I have, after tomorrow night, I'm, I'm hitting it hard. I'm, I'm going to come back. You say that every time I ask you about it. You're the right, only one right. that actually no, lost weight I, in COVID. I don't know if you remember, uh, play that back, Miss Court Reporter. <sighs> See what I said. I said in, on <laughs> August the first, I'm going to begin the diet. That's what I said. Oh, okay. I thought you told me that you had a different diet that you you had gained a little weight, and then you had a different diet, and so you were monitoring that. So you're going back on on what? Just the, the just the diary diet that you had during COVID. Yeah, di diary and calories. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, August the first is the date, so I'm. I've got the pressure of this show on me, so I'll report. Well, you know, that. maybe anyway. I'm going to join you, Michael. I'm going to do a little challenge with you. We'll we'll oh, see how it. each one of us does. Yeah. That's, okay. Uh, sounds good. Okay. August first. I've been saying I'm doing it for 18 months, so it's it's time to actually do it. Thank you. Okay. Have All a right. Good there goes Michael. What? Okay. Five five six nine six nine six. So Patty, you were not around when Michael explained his diet. He has actually lost weight during COVID, like almost 40 pounds, and claims that the um, key element of his diet program is that he uh, just wrote down everything he ate. That was it. Is Patty with us? Patty? Hello? I'm sorry. I was talking to Steve. Oh, okay. Yeah. So... Michael has a diet program 
where he lost almost 40 pounds in COVID by doing nothing different except writing down everything he ate. You know, that's a big Weight Watchers uh, trick they tell you to do, and it kind of works. Yeah, but, but you, you're supposed to be doing something to cut down on calories. I mean, well, yeah, I don't think true. the act of writing <laughs> is so strenuous an exercise that you can actually lose weight that way. But he swears by it. He does. Well, Steve and as we know, he lost weight in, during the pandemic, too. He wants to tell you about it. Yeah. Okay. That Steve did. Steve did one of those online things that that teaches you better habits. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll come back with Steve. Five five six nine six nine six. Keith Young Steakhouse on the North Shore in Madisonville is everything anyone thinks of when a steakhouse comes to mind. The environment is elegant and handsome. The service staff is knowledgeable, attentive, and friendly. And most important, the steaks are superb. The Steakhouse sides are also great. Keith Young Steakhouse, 165 Highway 21, Madisonville, 985-845-9940. One of my all-time favorite restaurants is the legendary Pascal's Manali. It's now open for lunch Wednesday through Friday with happy hour specials in the dining room every day. Tuesdays, enjoy two-for-one appetizers and Hans's vodka martinis. Wednesday and Thursdays, wine and beer specials. Friday's lunch martinis are $5. Say hello to my friend Thomas at that great oyster bar when you go to Pascal's Manali, 1838 Napoleon Avenue. Reservations are recommended. Call 895-4877. Night and day, you are the one. I want to mention that if you are looking for culinaries, that Pascal's Manelli has a great culinary. So check out their website for their culinary specials. 5569696 is the number. Let's go to Steve. Hi. Hello there. How you doing? Uh, that's okay. not really why I called, but I did want to just say that it's, that's kind of, I'm, I, my wife and I did Noom. Yes, right. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. it's kind of what they're saying. They're saying keep track and, you know, look at it. You know, think about what you're eating as opposed to just eat, you know. So that's kind of where Michael's going if he's writing it down and he goes, I really don't need to eat that. I'm full, you know. So uh, if I everybody that. did that, they wouldn't. there wouldn't be anybody that's that's fat. If you actually said... I don't need to eat that. I'm full. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> if you decide you want to lose weight, you know, it's one of the ways just keeping track. It's the same thing with exercise. You know, if you keep track of what you're, the mileage that you're walking or the mileage that you're running or riding a bike or whatever and, you know, all of that kind of stuff, it's, it's, it makes sense. But it can I happen. Really, yeah. You know, Patty's running a little side talk show there. That's why she was talking. Is she? <laughs> Go ahead. I know Henry did. Go ahead. Uh, and she, uh, I had to ask her about the coconut cream pie ice cream. Uh-huh. She got it. I don't know if you remember she said that. Like, Yeah, she talked before. about it yesterday. Oh, she did? Okay. I wasn't she did, yet. yeah. Yeah. She said I it was really good. Yet. Yeah, I'm going to have to have some. I, I, I did tell her that I was back to my pre-COVID weight, which is still a little over, well, quite a little overweight. But, well, that's uh, fantastic. Yeah, I was real proud of that. Good. 
I was real proud of that. So, so treat yourself to some bluebell coconut cream pie ice cream. <laughs> Sounds like a great but idea. But not too much. Now, coffee, yeah. I, uh, I'm i drinking a cup of, well, a, a glass of iced coffee right now and because uh, I'm getting ready to go to work, so I need the extra charge. But I usually don't drink coffee this late in the day because caffeine really does. It doesn't wire me. I don't. It's not uncomfortable for me. But if I drink coffee at 7 o'clock at night, I have trouble going to sleep. Well, I wonder how much of that is real or how much of that is people thinking that. Or maybe I just like to be wired all the time. But I drink a lot of tea, and I don't notice anything like that. Well, my mom and my oldest brother, both of them, could sit down, and they drank coffee black, which I did not understand. But Mm -hmm. they could sit down and have a cup of coffee at 10 o'clock at night and go crawl into bed and go to sleep. So I I think it's just how much it affects different people. You know, different people are affected different amounts by different things. I guess... I, but I think there's something to the, the placebo thing, too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. that's part of it, too. Yeah, so, for sure. Uh, yeah, I do love my coffee. I do love coffee ice cream. Uh, I do love, and I'm sure you've had the chocolate-covered coffee beans. Have you ever yeah, but I don't, I, don't eat, yeah, I don't eat coffee. Before yeah, you go, let me it. ask you a question. Your cone, your ice cream cone preference. Did you hear that? Yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm not a real big ice cream cone fan. Okay. If I'm gonna dr- eat You're ice a cup cream, person. eat it in a cup. Okay, cup person. I don't want to okay. have to race my cone. Okay. <laughs> All right, Steve. On that note, I'm gonna go. I have Monica holding, and we're gonna talk about tequila. Oh, did he go? Hi. Yep, yeah. I'm here. Hey, hey, Monica. How are you? Uh, Monica Richards is with us, and she is going to give us a little tutorial on tequila. And the reason I asked her is that about, I guess, two years ago, uh, gosh, I can't believe that's been two years ago already, two and a half years. But she gave a, um, was it mezcal? What's the difference in mezcal and tequila? Um, the difference between mezcal and tequila is primarily the agaves that are used. Tequila can only be made with 100% blue Weber. And then there's about 18 different varietals that you can make mezcal with. The different type of cooking process, distillation process varies as well. Um, the cooking process for mezcal makes it a slightly more smoky because they are traditionally baked in the ground with um, wood chips over the agaves. Well, let's let's start in, in, let's let's start from the beginning. What what is agave? Well, agave technically comes from the lily plant family, um, and it is essentially a succulent that grew, that initially grew wild in the desert, and it's just um, the plant that they decided to use because it produced the most sugar when baked. To create enough sugar to aid in the fermentation process prior to the distillation process. See, anytime I start talking about wine or spirits, it's just this vast, vast world. 
and uh, and I just don't even know where to where to get on and where to get off. So let's start from the very very beginning and talk about uh, Monica is the you are the proprietor of Picos or one of them. One of them. One of them. One okay. of them. I've, so, I've been lucky enough to take on that role um, with my father as our business has continued to grow, and I'm very very grateful for all of the years and years um, our employees have aided in keeping us alive. So Picos is how old? Picos in Houston on Kirby. For those people who go to Houston, it's a it's an institution, isn't it? It's a Mexican restaurant institution, correct? Yes. Luckily, we are an institution. We have I I think we're on like fourth generation of families that come and visit us. Um, I grew up with many of them, and I mean it's it's really been a labor of love. My mom my mom and dad were both seniors in college at U of H. Um, her in graphic design and him in the Hilton School for Hotel and Restaurant Management. And um, they opened this place even before they were married. So now we've been around for thirty seven years, one year more than me. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been here for the whole ride. <laughs> so you your your parents came from Mexico or they were born in this country? My father came from Monterrey, which is in the state of Nuevo León in Mexico. And then my mother came, um, was born and raised in New York. And she oh. is actually um, Irish and English. Oh, okay. So it's just your father that is from that has the Mexican heritage. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I mean, you she, go back. She would argue. <laughs> she would argue that now she's absolutely 100% Mexican <laughs> after all the travels and like being involved in this business all of her life. So I'm an, uh-huh. I'll give her that. <laughs> Okay. Well, fair enough. You know, it's nature versus nurture. So uh, you go down to Mexico a lot, though, don't you? Um, Not during the pandemic, but prior to all of this starting, I was really down there about every month to every other month. We have a lot of relationships with different tequila companies and mezcal companies. And currently, we are running nine private barrel selections. So going down there to hand select barrels with master distillers and um, spending time um, developing the labels and how we went to, to present it and promote it to our guests is all something that we do together with all of those companies. Wow. I would imagine that all the time that you spend down there has had an influence on the kind of food that you're serving at the restaurant as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we yeah. I just got back from a, a five-day trip to Mexico City with our culinary team, and it really, really helped us kind of see how things are moving in modern times in, in a more, um, let's say, antiquated world. You know, they're still moving at, at their, like, very peaceful um, pace of life and tradition. But modern touches and the way that food is being displayed has, has really, really grown over the years. And the culinary scene there is, is influencing everyone in the world. Hmm. Yes, I've heard that. I've heard that um, a lot. Um, what, what do you mean by that specifically, though, that, that it's a, a burgeoning, really gourmet scene there? Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I guess colonizing there, the French, the Arabs, um, the Spanish, yes. all aided yeah. in, in their own ways um, in modernizing Mexican um, culture on the culinary side as well as 
uh, spirits that are produced in our country. And, you know, it's really just a, a melting pot of so many different ideas and things that just bring so much to the table. Yeah, I would imagine. Well, it's a it's a world class international city. I mean, it's it's. I've never been there, but I'm really really interested in going. What did you observe that you've brought back to the restaurant? We have like three minutes before the bottom of the hour break, and I want to come back and talk about uh, the mezcal and the distilling and all of that for tequila. But just very quickly, what sort of things did you pick up and bring back to the restaurant? Uh, from this last visit? What sort of things impressed you? Um, this last visit was really, truly to go and visit the cornfields that are um, taken care of by these five indigenous families that are still in control of growing heirloom corn. And we are starting a business here in Houston that kind of showcases all of those varietals of corn. So we'll have these very, very beautiful colored, different different types of like colored tortillas that all come naturally from each varietal. Uh, flavor profiles vary from each varietal. And then that kind of lends um, its other side to a pairing to the things that are going in the taco too. Is, is something like that that you've discovered down there are other people doing that as well? Are other restaurants in other areas doing that as well? Do these these indigenous family corn uh, owned corn fields uh, supplying other people as well? Like, where can yeah, we get this? I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we're we're actually building a foundation around everything that's going to be happening, so that mm -hmm. we can start introducing and supplying these items to the American public. Um, oh, good. Okay. As far as, like, distribution stuff goes from them to the U.S., if there's not a huge need for it by so many different chefs or because they think they can't get it, um, that's going to stop now. We're going to be importing every varietal, and we're going to make it accessible to anybody good. on any level of culinary experience if they'd like to use it. Great. Great. Now, as I recall, you were you were talking about you had another business where you were doing something like that. What is the other one besides the uh, the mezcal and the tequila? You had another kind of import business, didn't you? Like this yes, is not your absolutely. first foray into that, right? No, we we spent a lot of time in the past six years developing relationships with different growers down there, and mm -hmm. you know, a part of our culture is very much based on trust and their willingness to build relationships with you. You know, if they don't mm -hmm. trust you, then you're out. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah. it's a matter of, you know, coming in with a humble heart and, um, you know, educated enough to understand what they're talking about and what they have to offer and seeing value in it. Well, and, there's definitely value you know, in it. Oh, All right, absolutely. wait, Monica. We have to stop. We have a we have a hard news break right now, but I really okay. want to explore that with you because this is a food show. We do talk a lot about. We don't talk a lot about uh, drinks, but but mostly a food show. And I want to explore that a little bit with you too. We'll be back. It's yeah. uh, three thirty with Monica. Louisiana Radio Network. I'm Jeff Palermo. The state surpassed one thousand COVID hospitalizations today, as the state health department reported another ninety five individuals were admitted into hospitals statewide with COVID-related symptoms. LDH also reported that total cases increased by 3,100 and 11 more people have died. 
Shreveport Mayor Adrian Perkins issued a mask advisory for his city today. We are in a very bad spot. That's Perkins, who says the Delta variant poses a serious threat to the health and economy of Northwest Louisiana. Perkins says there's only two ways out of this surge, and that's masking and getting vaccinated. I'm not a pastor, but I am a man of faith, and I believe that God gives us science. God gives us tools so that we can look after one another. And right now, we have vaccines and we have masks. New Orleans has also issued a mask advisory. I'm Matt Doyle. Governor John Bell Edwards will provide a COVID-19 update at 3 o'clock. Louisiana Radio Network. I'm Jim Harper, president of the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. On our farm in Cheneyville, my brother and I grow sugarcane, soybeans, rice, and crawfish. It's more than a living for us. It's a lifestyle. And the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation is a grassroots organization that stands together to protect that lifestyle. You depend on agriculture, and we depend on you to join us. Visit LAFarmBureau.org, the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Did you get the COVID-19 vaccine? Now you can enter to win cash. Four people will win $100,000 with one lucky vaccine recipient winning the grand prize of $1 million. Under 18, you can win one of nine $100,000 college scholarships. So get the vaccine and take your shot at a million dollars. To enter, visit shotatamillion.com or call 855-453-0774. Brought to you by the Louisiana Department of Health. Over the last 75 years, New Orleans has gone through many changes, and so has WGSO. From our early beginnings in 1946, broadcasting from the Jung Hotel, being home to Papa Stapa in the 1950s, being a music station, talking biz radio to speak in easy New Orleans style, you, our loyal listeners, have been here every step of the way with WGSO. It's now our 75th anniversary, and we are so proud to have you here with us to celebrate. So we're going to celebrate all year long to show our gratitude to you and make 2021 our most successful year yet. And we will also continue to bring programs that appeal to people of all backgrounds. So from all of us at WGSO, we want to say thank you for making us the community voice of the Crescent City. When you're awake, the things you think come from the dreams you dream. Thought has wings, and lots of things are seldom what they seem. Yes, indeed, Monica. That's my husband, Tom Fitzmorris, who likes to sing. We had him do the bumpers in and out of all the commercials. We're here with Monica Richards from Pico's Restaurant in Houston, and she's talking about mezcal and tequila, which I'm not even sure if those are the same thing or we have a we have to get deep into that. But first, we're talking to her about these imported things that she is um, entering into relationships with growers in Mexico to import into this country the unique and especially fine products that maybe we haven't had access to prior to this. So you're developing relationships with corn growers and who else? Um, really, uh, lime, we do plant limes, we do plantains, we do papayas, lemons, um, avocados. Uh, we've been importing all of our own dried chiles and also our own habaneros and serranos. Um, honestly, the styling and techniques that they use 
in their farming practices with no pesticides and no, and you know, the water and everything in the soil. I mean, all of it has to do with producing a superior product. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you've had the chance to taste an avocado from the state of Jalisco or the state of Michoacan in comparison to what is grown in California, but they are vastly different. Really? (laughs) The flavor is that, oh yeah, the flavor uh, when they're grown there in Mexico is more intense and Mm -hmm. it's just different. They're creamier, they're, they're more intense in flavor, they hold up better. Now, are we talking about uh, now we have Haas avocados in California, so this is not this is a avocado, but not a better version of Haas. It's just an avocado. That's- oh no, no, there. I I prefer um, aguacates from Mexico over Haas. Really? Haas is okay. an extremely, extremely good product. I'm not saying anything bad about them, uh-huh. but in Mexico they just do it better. No, no. I mean, I'm, this is this is enlightening. I mean, I I know that we get avocados, we get a shiny variety, and we get the Haas avocados, and there's no comparison between the two. So you're telling me that you have much better avocados down there. Are you going to be importing those as part of this, or? Um, we already do actually. Um, we've actually cut down on a lot of our costs by using. Um, produce obviously we're importing ourselves um mm-hmm. it's primarily all sold by the time it gets to the border but we of course allocate things that have to come straight to houston that supply our stores mm-hmm. so basically you are doing it just for yourselves right now but you're moving into an arena where you're going to be making some of these things available to everyone yes okay well good good i look forward yeah, to that do um, you have a time a time frame on that Probably sometime during the spring. We just acquired a 20,000 square foot commissary facility. So um, we'll have ripening areas, of course, um, different huge walk-in coolers and freezers and different ways of processing any of those fruits and vegetables down and storing them and selling them individually or using them in our recipes. Okay. So any restaurateur out there listening in this area, we want some of this stuff. It sounds good. So oh, yeah, uh, if you, you need go your down, penis, call me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I will. No, I want to try this corn. The corn sounds really fascinating. All right, so let's go back to what I originally invited you here for. Tomorrow's National Tequila Day, and mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about the processing of tequila. What it is, uh, what sort of varieties there are how it's used in cocktails and anything else that you would like to say about it to, to educate people like me who really have no idea anything about it. Okay. So um, you go down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, primarily the, uh, any agave, if you're going to harvest it for tequila, but the only one that is allowed to be used per the denomination of origins rules, with the uh, Mexican government is 100% blue Weber. So each plant that is planted is tagged and marked by the CRT, which is the consulate that regulates um, tequila and all of the processes that each distillery um, has to follow. So the plants grow from anywhere from seven to 10 years. And in between that seven to 10 year mark, they're harvested. Um, they can either be baked in clay ovens, stone ovens, 
Um, they can be doing stainless steel. It all depends on each person's process. Clay oven is going to be the most sought after and also the most traditional way to do it. They bake it anywhere between 48 and 72 hours. They allow the agaves to then cool for another 24. And then the original process of pressing the fibers of the agaves after they are baked to release the juice that they need to ferment is called the Tahona method. And the Tahona method is just essentially a two and a half ton volcanic stone that they harvest from the volcanoes that surround the town of Tequila and all of the Tequila growing regions. And they take, it's like an all day process. It used to be done with a mule that used to just pull it along and slowly crush fibers. And then of course the juice would be um, fed into that. Some of the most sought after tequilas now, such as Fortaleza or El Tesoro, they are still using that older method of using the Tijuana wheel. And then they're also using the original pine vat method of open air fermentation. So instead of, use, instead of adding um, farmed yeast or a lab-created yeast to ferment their products, these distilleries that have been around for almost 100 years, let's say um, El Tesoro specifically, was started in 1937 by Don Felipe Camarena, and they're still using all of his traditional methods today. And what lends in all of the fermentation process around that building are natural, you know, fruits and vegetables and things like that, that the yeast, for, you know, flies in the air and it naturally awakens the fermentation process of the tequila. And then the tequila is then sent through um, a double distillation process through copper. I would imagine it's really a premium product. Is it really expensive? The ones um, you're talking yeah, about. I mean, they're, they're, I wouldn't say expensive. They're going to be worth the value that it has taken from its inception to bottling. Mm-hmm. You think about how long it takes to grow the plant and then the long process it's going to take to produce it from just the raw plant to all of the procedures to get it to a barrel and then to be aged another 24 to 28 months, you know, depending on whenever they pull the barrels when they're ready at El Tesoro, for, for example, mm-hmm. all that takes time. So all of that means, you know, a little bit more money, but when it yeah. comes out, it's perfect. And it's the, and, and it is truly the exact expression of what the quila should be. Are these, are these, uh, I, I, I can't even pronounce the two companies that you just named, but are these widely available? Do you, like, if I went into a, a, a bar or a Mexican restaurant and I said, I want this kind of tequila for my drink, would chances be good that it would be there? Um, in some of your, like, higher-end bars, like, I know they're in New Orleans next to Lillette, there's that beautiful sister bar that they have. I can't remember the name of that little bar right now, but I love going there after uh, visiting Lillette because they have some of the best scotch and best tequila selections in the city. And, like, you can find um, El Tesoro or Fortaleza there, along with, like, incredible other, like, you know, sought-after high-end marks from, you know, many, many different brands. Mm-hmm. So it really just okay. depends on the style of bar and cocktail program that you're seeking out. Like I wouldn't expect for El Tesoro or Fortaleza to be in a back bar, just in a regular family mom and pop restaurant, okay. but they're not hard to find. 
Okay. So but you have to go to a certain kind of place. All right. I wish I could think yeah. of the name of the place you're talking about. I'm picturing it right now, but it's not coming to me. Uh, you so know what I is, mean, right? Yeah, I, I, I do. I do. And someone's <laughs> probably going to call in the show. Someone call in the show and it's probably already, we've already gotten uh, someone Ooh. to say that. Well, I'll have to look and see. Um, no, it's not. It's not that. Something else. All right. So, um, is mezcal different from tequila? Oh yes, um, mezcal is definitely different from tequila. It's made with a, a varietal um, of different agaves. Um, some of them are wildly harvested. Some of them are cultivated um, by their specific uh, brands and. While mezcal can be made from 50 different species of agave, tequila can only be made with one. Hmm. Okay. Um, and, and it's, it's essentially, it's both of these come from a, a succulent called agave. They both originate from agave. Yes. And technically it's from um, the succulents from, from the lily family. Okay. And, and they're in a certain area of Mexico and, it's called, is it called tequila? Um, there is a town called tequila. I actually got married there. I got married at a Hacienda Cincinnatio there in tequila and it's in this little valley. Um, that's where what, uh, Jose Cuervo actually still produces 24 hours a day at their distillery. And you can hear them. They're, they're almost like sounds of like trains, like as each shift ends. <laughs> <laughs> It's really cool. You could be there and you're like, oh, no, that's not church bells. That's the, the shift change of factory. And, you know, more people are coming in to make more tequila. That's Jose Cuero. Really yeah. Okay. There, there are um, others, can you hold yeah. on for just a can, can you yes. hold on for a couple of minutes? We have to take a break mm -hmm. and we're going to come yes. back and finish up talking about tequila and mezcal with Monica Richards from Pico's in Houston. We'll be back. Basil's Ace Hardware has been the center for your grilling needs for over 15 years. That's when I first got my big green egg, which I use more than ever lately. Fred also has Traeger grills and Weber grills and all the accessories for them. Charcoal and pellets and propane, as well as rubs and grilling utensils. Remember, a great cookout always begins with the right hardware. Basil's Ace Hardware, 4419 Transcontinental Metairie, 888-8588. Mandeville Seafood has been a local favorite, serving their house-made roast beef poor boys, seafood poor boys, and even a French fry poor boy in a fast, casual environment. Here is an extensive menu of salads and sandwiches and fried seafood, baskets and platters, as well as sides like stuffed artichokes, meat pies, and jalapeno cheese bites. And we love the very attentive service here at Mandeville Seafood Restaurant and Market, celebrating 25 years. You make me feel so young. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Tom. It's good to feel young. I bet uh, tequila could make you feel young, too. We're talking to Monica Richards from Pico's Restaurant in Houston. That's on Kirby or Upper. Is it Upper Kirby or Lower Kirby? Uh, it's Upper Kirby, but we're still, we're still on Kirby Drive. So, yes, we're on Kirby. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, the answer to the question that we had was Bullity Tavern. Bulini Tavern, whenever we oh, fumble around okay. for something, someone will text and say, here's what you need. So Bulini Thank Tavern is, is the name of the place. Yeah, okay. I love, anyway, my husband and I love that place. <laughs> yeah, really? Do you come here very yeah. often? 
Oh, you do? Okay. Uh, yeah, as often as we can. We were actually just there in April for his birthday. We didn't get a chance to go to Lillette because we had too big of a group, but every time we go by ourselves, we go there. Oh, okay. Uh, it's. I think I've only been once or twice, but, um, but you know, I, I feel like I'm not the right age. You know, I'm a little bit older than the, the general group there. Okay, so this is, you were talking about the town of Tequila. You were talking about your, uh, about your wedding, which I was fascinated by when you told me two years ago at the restaurant. I was, you had just gotten married, as I recall. And, oh, yeah. uh, and it was, yeah, it was a good story. But anyway, so this is, this is where in Mexico, if you could picture Mexico, like a map, it's just a certain area where, where tequila comes from. Is that right? Yes. There's only five producing states for tequila. And the producing states primarily are on the Pacific coast. It's going to be Jalisco. Mm -hmm. Ab above Jalisco. that is Nayarit. Yeah. Above that is Nayarit. And then below is Michoacan and Guanajuato. And then for Mexicali, um, you can make it in uh, Durango, Guanajuato, Guerrero, uh, Oaxaca, Puebla, Michoacan, Tamaulipas, Zapatecas. And Tamaulipas, which is the farthest northeastern state in Mexico, is also a tequila-producing state. So it's all, I guess the, the, the agave needs like the Pacific breezes to, to grow. Is, is that it? I mean, it it's, uh, comes from the plant. So the plant conditions are best on the Pacific side of Mexico? I think the Southern Pacific tropical climate that's lent um, in those areas is, is essential for how the agaves perform. Okay. And so the process is the succulent grows, they harvest it, they bake it, and then they distill it. And they distill it. But the difference between the, okay. tequila and mezcal is that tequila is primarily baked in a clay or stone oven uh, or brick oven, and mezcal is baked in pits in the ground. So what they do is they line these pits in the ground with charcoal and then they cover them with river stones um, to allow all of the heat and steam to come from that uh, burning charcoal underneath and that smokes the agave. Some producers covers, cover the top with either banana leaves. They can cover them like more, with more bankas. They can cover them with nopal. It, it just depends. So essentially, mezcal is a smoked version of tequila. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And which which do you prefer? Is one of them more mellow than the other, or like how how does this manifest in a drink? You know, how does the difference the, the mezcal lends itself to what sort of drink, and then the tequila to what? Um, well, tequila, it, 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 all, it always depends on both. There are some mezcals that are less smoky than others, and some of them pair well with more adorning fruits. It's like, you know, like an orange or a pineapple that is going to be a little bit lighter in um, flavor profile, not overbearing. Um, and it really, really allows the mezcal to shine. Watermelon is another one that really allows mezcal to shine in its own way without overpowering and taking away from, uh, you know, the approaching side of that cocktail. With tequila, I mean, you'd have to be like a 
super, super specific aficionado to tell the difference, you know, if it's going to be mixed in a margarita between one or the other. And that, okay. that you know, that just takes a lot of time and practice. But as long as you're using 100% Blue Weber Agave Tequila in your cocktails and a premium orange liqueur for your margaritas, then you're on the right path. <laughs> Okay. So I, I hate to, to ask another stupid question because I really am just fascinated by this, but it's just a vast kind of intimidating world to me. So when the distilling happens and you have squeezed the fibers out of these plants and they have been either baked or smoked, is the distilling process, is there fruit that goes into the distilling process? No, but okay. um, sometimes with mezcal, um, depending on the style they want to make, they either, like there's varietals of borrego or the pechuga, which borrego is a lamb carcass or a chicken carcass that's hung in the distillation chamber. <laughs> of course, it's being cooked the whole time. And I know that sounds like really unappealing, but whenever it comes out, the the natural oils and everything that lends to the mezcal, it really mellows it down and gives just gives it a very, very earthy flavor. So so essences of these carcasses go into the mezcal? Oh yeah. I didn't know that. Some, so then if you're so then if you're like a vegan for, for you, of them. you shouldn't drink mezcal. Well, not all mezcal is made like that. Oh, okay. um, some some okay. mezcals are, don't have any of that. Some of them are baked with other things, or yeah. Huh. See, I had no idea that. So then, when you refer to fruit, you are talking about the drinks that are made. The fruit is part of the drink that's made and has nothing to do with the actual spirit before no. it comes into the drink. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because so, what what they what they do with the fibers after they've already been pressed is they either take them and um, turn them into mulch or, you know, they mm -hmm. recycle them. Or mm -hmm. a lot of these companies have created processes where they recycle them into making straws, paper, clothing. Mm. I mean, they really? can be used for anything. Yeah, it's a really strong fiber. So it can, you know, can really create anything you want. <laughs> I had no idea. Maybe dresses are made out of the, the fibers from Oh, the... they are. Oh, they are? <laughs> Okay, yeah. I'm going to have to look for that. I'm definitely going to have to look. So what are your personal favorites? Uh, I know you've tasted all of them on the market. Like how many are on the market? And what are some oh, of your goodness. favorites? There's hundreds of different types of Are there really? Oh, My yeah. I mean, like not all of them are available to the general market. Some people just make tequila just for their families or just mm -hmm. for their little pueblas. You know, there's stuff that we'll never get to see unless you go there and you try mm -hmm. what they offer only in their space. But, I mean, wow. I've been lucky enough to try so, to, so many. Um, my favorites are uh, definitely Siete Leguas, which is seven leagues. So it has um, Pancho Villa on a horse on the bottle. I'm glad you're saying what to look for because I have no idea what you're saying in terms of, like I'm trying to think of how you would spell these things that you're saying with your perfect uh, accent. And I'm just thinking that there's no way I'm going to find that. So it's got Pancho Villa on the bottle. Okay, yeah, go ahead. It's got Pancho Villa on the bottle. It's kind of like a, like a little dome shaped bottle and their reposado has a gold label with a guy on a horse. And that is Siete Leguas. Um, I really, really like Herradura products. I find wow. that 
the processes that they've been using for generations. I mean, that distillery dates back to like pre-Christerial War. Mm. I mean, it's, it's just it's just amazing the history that's there on the property, and they've really, really done such an excellent job of maintaining that. And I feel in so many ways that you know what I'm drinking is giving me life. <laughs> so, okay, I um, see. Um, I, I, I can. Like, what's, I'll be looking for that one because I, I know Haradura. I'm familiar with that. See, these are, the other ones seem very, very exotic. So go ahead. Do you have any other ones? Yeah, another one is Coralejo. It comes in a tall blue glass bottle. So not, not to be confused with Milagro. Milagro is also delicious. But Coralejo is made in the state of Guanajuato. And it's just very specifically itself. It's you know, there's nothing like it. They they do um, a blend of French American and Encino oak barrels. All of their agaves are estate grown, so they're owned by them, and they're not purchasing any agaves that are harvested too early or in places where they could have potentially been treated with pesticides. They have full control over everything. And then they also use the old uh, French distilling um, process is over 400 years old. It's very similar to what they use in cognac, which just kind of makes it very refined. Yeah, I would think so, for sure. So if a person wanted to go down there and, and find some of these things that you're talking about, is that, first of all, something that's doable? I mean, are these uh, places that you could, like a, a lay person that's not in the restaurant business or the spirit business, could they just go down there? Like, Is it like Napa where you can just go and taste things? Absolutely. Um, I would suggest going either on the Cuervo train or the Herradura train because they take you directly from Guadalajara. So you can go in and stay in Guadalajara and enjoy like nightlife and the like bustling culinary scene there, but then take your day trip into tequila country on this uh, train. You can rent either just a general seat, you can go on a moderate level or you can go VIP and they take you through you know, all of the mountains, they take you through all of the agave fields and they stop off at each and every single little place and mm -hmm. teach you a little bit about each one. You know, that sounds really, really appealing. It really does. Oh, yeah. Um, I hope that, I'm sure that you've had a great time exploring that whole area. And I think it would be fascinating for anybody who tried to do that. I thank you for, I'm going to have to say goodbye now because we have to, the show's closing out in about a uh, like minute and a half. So thank you very much, Monica. Okay. I appreciate it. Like I said, thank it's a you. vast, vast, vast subject. But thanks for calling. Appreciate it. No, I'll see you in Houston soon, hopefully. Have a good day, okay? Thank you. <laughs> or here. Thanks. Bye-bye. Yeah, yeah. Thank right, you. That's Bye. That's it. That was Monica Richards from Pico's restaurant in Houston, and she is uh, incredibly knowledgeable and uh, and just fascinating, I think. This is a big subject. I know nothing about it at all, and I feel like I, I know a little bit more. Anyway, I hope. It is the end of the show. I want to tell you that WGSO is celebrating their 75th year. 
We have a 75 for 75 campaign going on right now. And if you go to the website, WGSO.com, there's a yellow button on the front page. It says donate. If you click it, your donation will be tax deductible. They are the 501c3 nonprofit, as well as the Community Voice of the Crescent City and the only locally owned news talk station in New Orleans. Patty, is that true? Is there a tequila trail or were you just saying that? I was just saying that, but that's what okay. it sounds like when she started it's the talking tequila about trail. it. It was the tequila I, trail. I know it is. I want to do it. I definitely want to do it. She's so fascinating. All right. The uh, platforms that we have here for our food show are nomenu.com. So if you go there, N-O-M-E-N-U.com, that's Tom's 50-year body of work on food in general and New Orleans food in particular. We have the podcast from the show there on the front page. We have 400 some odd recipes, which all do come out. We have dining diaries, restaurant reviews. We have uh, extinct restaurants. The almanac is there. If you sign up to subscribe, you get those things in your inbox delivered twice a week. You go to nomenu.com and hit the subscribe button on top. We also have uh, specials that if you get the newsletter, you have specials of things that are going on around town in the restaurants around town. We have our Instagram page. It is at the New Orleans menu. We have a lot of pretty pictures from places that we go. We do go <laughs> every now and then. Uh, it's called at the New Orleans menu, and we would love for you to follow us there. It's, I want to explore this whole um, tequila thing some more. Tequila kind of fascinates me because it just kind of messes up my head really bad but uh i am intrigued by it nevertheless tim mcnally is up next with the dine wine and spirits show and uh, that pretty much does it for us for the week we'll be back on monday at the same time two to four tell a friend please about the show wgso new orleans it's time for the news from the louisiana radio network uh it is four o'clock good night usa radio news I'm Brad Bernards. Firefighters have ended their mission in clearing debris from the collapsed Surfside condo building Friday, officials said, while police and forensic specialists continue their work to identify human remains in the disaster. They left the site in a convoy of fire engines and other vehicles and drove slowly to their headquarters. An engineer hired to figure out why the building collapsed warned that the site may still not be safe. Alian Collazo came to Florida on a raft from Cuba at the age of eight. On Monday, he will voyage from Largo to Washington to exercise a right family still in Cuba don't have. We need to find a way to keep the voices of the Cuban people and what they are doing in Cuba alive. And the only way to do that is to figure out a way to go around the Cuban government's uh, cyber wall. This is USA Radio News. It's been tough talking to my doctor about constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. I finally laid all my symptoms out there and how they keep coming back. She said I may have irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBSC. We agreed it's time to try something different. Linzess, or linaclotide, is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms are studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call 
your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Visit a doctor in person or online. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Sponsored by Abbey and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. Alabama Republican Governor Kay Ivey on Thursday called out the unvaccinated folks for the rise in COVID-19 cases in her state, a remarkable plea at a time when many GOP leaders are refusing to urge people to get vaccinated, even as COVID-19 cases surge in many parts of the country. These folks are choosing a horrible lifestyle of self-inflicted pain. Alabama is the least vaccinated state in the country, with roughly 33.9% of residents fully vaccinated, according to data from the CDC. President Joe Biden is poised to nominate Carolyn Kennedy to serve as ambassador to Australia, three people familiar with the search process told CNN. In one of the highest profile envoy selections yet, she is a longtime friend, ally, and donor to Biden, who endorsed the president's candidacy early in the campaign and spoke last summer at the Democratic Convention. This is USA Radio News. We are having a party. It's WGSO's 75th anniversary party. And we're looking for all of you to come celebrate with us. If you're a local business, take advantage of this opportunity to be a sponsor for our big 75th anniversary party. We have great sponsorship packages offering tremendous benefits for our partners. If you're interested, contact me, Jeff Cruer, at jeff at WGSO.com or 504-669-6076. The Sazerac House is now open at 101 Magazine Street at the corner of Canal and Magazine in the heart of downtown New Orleans. You're cordially invited to experience timeless traditions and history that's worth repeating. Enjoy complimentary self-guided tours, interactive cocktail exhibits, spirit tastings, and experience the production of Sazerac rye whiskey and Peixos bitters right on site. And don't miss the Sazerac House's retail store with one-of-a-kind gifts and novelties sure to please anyone. For more information, visit www.sazerachouse.com. Showers have then stood for the weekend, but uh, again, the main feature is going to be the heat, going to be pretty strong before and after any thunderstorms hit the area with some clouds building through the days. Otherwise, muggy starts for the morning, 70s to 80 tomorrow. The afternoon, scattered thunderstorms, the high to the mid-90s, feel like temperatures 105 or so. Sunday should come in about the same, a duplicate, during the morning 70s to 80. Afternoon thunderstorm, 